Hello and welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Danbro Business. Today we're delighted to be joined by Blackpool's premier poet and spoken artist, Nathan Parker. Nathan will no doubt be a recognisable face to many of you across the Northwest. He's a renowned public speaker and independent author. Um, he's also got an extensive background in youth work, working in schools, colleges and on other community projects as well. He's even released his own album recently too. Um, Nathan is a passionate advocate for mental health. He's also an ambassador for Elliot's Place, which is a project run by Empowerment to support young men across the Falco Coast with their mental health. Um, he's a funny, interesting and super charismatic guy and we really can't wait for you to hear his thoughts on leadership, on motivation and his advice for business owners and business leaders in general. Enjoy. So thanks a lot for joining us today, Nathan. Thanks for having um, me. I wonder if you could just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and, and what it is you, you do. So I'm an independent author and spoken artist, officially. Um, I'm also a qualified youth worker. I worked in that field for about 12 years before starting my own business. And uh, I guess my main job is dad. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that takes up my, most of my time. We're I think. recording this the day after Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. We both look very tired, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I guess what that means in, in layman's terms is uh, I write, I write stories, I write poetry, I write lyrics, I write for me, but I write for other people as well. Um, but I also deliver workshops and talks and um, work on projects that surround storytelling to various degrees in lots and lots of different settings, schools, communities, prisons, all kinds of places, everywhere you can think of really. So you're obviously a busy guy. So we talk a lot about work-life balance and stuff and you've got a lot of different things going on. Yeah. So how do you balance the sort of creative work you do with the youth work you do with yeah. the, your family and social life and all that sort of stuff? It's hard and I think it fluctuates. I do think since working for myself, even though I feel like I'm busier and I'm, I'm under, undertaking more work, you know, met more opportunities, I think working for myself, I allow myself little perks. So taking the kids to school, for example, or picking them up from school if, if, if a day works um, works out like that. I think that almost um, little moments like that add so much more yeah. um, that it's, oh, it might take half an hour, but actually it feels a lot more. It feels a lot more fulfilling. Uh, and yeah, you know, I might go and perform in Manchester, for example, so that takes up a full evening but then I might not be working the next morning. Yeah. So I get to take the kids to school <clears throat> and I get to catch up on a bit of admin, maybe go to the gym. And I guess when I was, when I was working full time, not for myself, um, I was taking work home with me as we all do. And, and, but, but it wasn't really on my terms. So, so I felt like found, I struggled a bit more. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you found owning your own business and running, being in charge, because a lot of people who, there's been studies and all sorts, that people who do run their own businesses tend to take less time off yeah. and all that. You found the opposite. I mean, I, I don't take as much time off. So I guess in, 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 the, right. in, in the, you know, the grand scheme of things, I'll just say in, in the lift on the way up here, I've not been on holiday for four years. Right, okay. So in, in the grand scheme of things, I probably work more, yeah. but I never would have got to take the kids to school or pick them up, you know, or yeah. take them to even dare I say, take them to some of their, you know, activities and stuff. Being a youth worker, I worked in the evenings anyway, so I guess the transition to working for myself and working different hours wasn't as big a jump, okay. um, but I never would have been able to say, do you know what, I'm not going to book anything in for that day, yeah. or I'm going to make sure that 
if it's the school holidays, for example, I'm going to keep two days free and go and do something with the kids. Or, yeah. And I really try and make sure that I put that time in my diary. So the only person you're answerable to really is, is yourself? Me. Yeah. Well, and my wife, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. <Standard. laughs> yeah. So as a creative then, how do you kind of innovate and, and stay fresh? So are there any tips you can share with businesses about like creating a culture of ideas, innovation, creativity? I think for me, the biggest the biggest thing that I try and push when working, I you know, right from primary school to corporate to wherever, mm. is is that, that everybody's an asset. Everybody's got something. Yeah. Everybody's got a, a, you know a, an area of expertise, and and that might be, you know, that might be um, going through a really really traumatic experience, you know, but that is their, that person's area of expertise. And I think it's about harnessing people's expertise, not yeah. trying to make everybody the same, but celebrating those differences. And I guess creating the space to talk, to share, and, and, to, and to generate you know, conversations, which I think turn into ideas. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess not putting a hierarchy on, on, I know it's difficult because you've got, you know, clearly there's people who are experts in fields and, and they are, you know, I guess, have greater responsibility over things, but I guess not, not putting too much of a traditional hierarchy on skill set and knowledge and experience. I mean, the biggest thing for me um, throughout my career has been trying to elevate young people's roles and responsibilities within adult conversations. Because yeah. traditionally, young people are see, you know, seen by adults in certain systems as being inferior because they are younger, but actually they've got a different level of experience and, 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 and experiences that they can bring to the table yeah. and generate really, really effective ideas and just using that across the board, I think. Yeah. And well, One area that seems to be a lot of people like that centre to excel in is online, branding, yeah. social media. So you do some pretty cool stuff on your, like your website's really cool, you've got a lot of stuff on your social media as well. That seems like an important part of your brand, as it were. Um, in the kind of digital age that we live in now, how should people be kind of utilising social media to kind of convey their message and, and get that? Yeah. When you mentioned work-life balance before, I forgot about social media. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, it is a massive part of my life. Yeah. My, I'm, as, a, as an individual person, my product is me. Yeah. And, and I have to keep, I have to stay visible. I have to promote myself. Mm. And a big, a big way to do that is social media. So I spend a hell of a lot of time on there. And right. you know what it's like. It's designed to keep you on there, isn't it? Yeah. So I spend too much time on there. So just referring back to the work-life balance, one area I probably could improve on is, yeah. is, is how much time I spend in that kind of virtual world. But it is important. Mm. And I think, um, you know, I um, try and be creative on there. I try and share collaborations and celebrate collaborations. You know, if I'm working with different people in the community, I try and make sure that I'm celebrating that. Yeah. Try and um, uplift and elevate. You know, Blackpool gets a bad rep um, for a lot for, for lots of reasons, but we've got so much good stuff. We've got yeah. so many good people. And I think celebrating the good stuff is really, really important for me uh, and my values. Um, and then obviously the poetry and the spoken word lends itself quite nicely to be creative online yeah. with different kind of bits of spoken word and poetry, reels and, and whatnot. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was. It was my strongest area of expertise. Um, I'm a bit like a dinosaur trying to learn some new tricks, but um, it doesn't come across that way. So far, so good. Okay. Um, you know, I think connecting with like-minded people, but also seeing what other people are up to, maybe where you don't have shared values yeah. and whatnot, because I think it's important to see 
the full spectrum of what's going on. So was it a conscious decision because somebody in your position could have done, say, one, let's take Instagram, one Instagram account just for your, for your spoken word, for the yeah. poetry, for your business stuff, and then a separate one closed off for your family and stuff. Yeah. But it seems like you've incorporated the, the two yeah, together, I, I, which I think lends itself to your personality. So how does that work? Again, that? again it's, it's that thing that my product is, is, is me, and a lot of me and what I deliver is, is, is the real me. Mm. And it is being a dad. It is certain personal experiences that I've had, whether that be mental health or whether that be, you know, my older brother suffering with substance misuse issues and whilst growing up. And that's a big part of my, I hate to use this term, but my product. No, no. So having it as part of my social media, I think appropriately is, is, is really, really important to show the balance. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I did have a private one and, and I did try and do the two. It just got to the point where I was like, I don't need to share that much of that and that much of that. Mm. I can just merge the two yeah. and kind of keep it, you know, selective. With yeah, you. the right the right amount of each. Yeah. And I try and you know weight it towards business yeah. and and creativity and stuff. But I do think it's quite nice to share yeah, a definitely. little bit of the kids and a little bit of the personal life as well. Um, I think a lot of the time we're scared. Of showing ourselves but we know from research that we develop a sense of belonging when we connect with others who have similar shared experiences and stuff and, and, and that's really powerful yeah um, no definitely i mean we've spoken a lot obviously about your personal creative approach and then the you know the social tech side as well so your lyrics are quite well very idiosyncratic very personal to you so what do you make of the encroachment of ai into the creative space does it <laughs> yeah. does it freak it, you it, out it, it, it freaks me out to the point where i'm like oh what's what's going to happen but then on the same token i'm also quite objective about it and thinking well we've had developments of technology that have freaked everybody out for the last 30 years mm. longer and i just think we probably need to, i probably need to figure out how to use it as a tool yeah. i've not even touched it or looked at it to be honest with you some of my friends have I know people use it as 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 a as a joke, you know, when yeah. they're like, "Oh, write me an episode of whatever what was it? Was it Seinfeld?" Um, it's, it and, it, and it's like it's like writing it exactly how it would be, and it's 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 quite scary, but yeah. also really clever. Yeah. I think one of the things that that I have noticed, and people who are using it are talking about, perhaps it doesn't quite possess the same soul as somebody who's personally written something. Yeah. And whether they figure that out further down the line, I don't know. But I'm just kind of hanging on to, this is what I do. It seems to be working okay so far. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing it. And that's only looking at it from a product point of view. The biggest power lies within the process. Yeah. And when you're working with people in the community, whether it is children in primary schools, prisoners in prisons, you know, people in recovery, anybody really the process of writing something is arguably more beneficial yeah. and therapeutic and whatnot than actually having the product at the end of it well, so you, yeah and your stuff's very twofold you've, you've got the lyrics written down but then there's, there's the performance element is the big part the and AI it, yeah the AI, AI can't do that either so the process of actually getting an idea figuring out what you want to say about it feeling. writing that down and feeling the development of that you can't really put a price on that yeah. and, and, and AI, AI can't can't do that. Yeah. Well, they do do it, but they're doing it about two seconds and yeah. it's not a person who's going through that process. So 
I think, yeah, it's just, just I'm trying to be objective and, and not fret too much and yeah. see it as another development of technology that will probably help so many people yeah. um, in lots and lots of different ways. What about taking it to the, to the youth work side of it? So what about the impact of big tech on young, impressionable minds and people that you've worked with? Have you yeah. seen this? It's so hard. Yeah. It is so hard because... Um, like, for instance, you talk about your two kids yourself. Like, what yeah. about them growing up? Yeah. How's that going to... Uh, I mean, my me, me, me little lad grabs the remote now, bump YouTube and whatever song he wants to listen to, yeah. which actually yesterday was Linkin Park, which I was like, nice. Ooh, good nice. son, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> uh, and, and The Cure, which, yeah, so yeah, maybe he's been uh, taking notice <laughs> of my music <laughs> lessons at bedtime after all. Uh, but it, it, straight away, they just watch and, and they just pick things up so so quickly. Um, he'll pick my phone up and start taking pictures and I, I don't know how he's yeah. figured that out, but he's figured it out. Um, but yeah, it's so hard because that's their world. That's the world they're living in. And I think we probably need to figure out how to walk with them in that world as yeah. opposed to trying to go against it and losing them to it. I've seen the weight of, you know, a lot of the older generation say, you know, these kids these days, they don't know the ball and we didn't have fancy phones without realising that that phone is a burden. Mm. That is a massive weight in that person's pocket. Mm. And yeah, it can do all these amazing things amazing things but it's also a weight it's a heavy burden of anxiety of you know feel you know like insecurity of cyberbullying. you know you never switched off when i was at school you might have had a bit of grief at school but you went through the school gates you got home that was it you need to worry about it they don't switch off and that burden of technology i think is 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 going to be there for, for this next generation. Well, it is there, and it's going to continue to be there. So I think we need to figure out how to walk with them through that and make it so that there's positive things for them to do with tech yeah. as opposed to going against the grain a little bit. Because no, we know definitely. historically you go against the grain with any with anything that young people are into, and it just kind of draws yeah. draws people closer to it, whether well, that be music or, or whatever. Absolutely, and it's a bit similar to what you said about the AI revolution, as it were. There's no point... You're barking at the moon to go against it, aren't you? Absolutely. You've got to work. Got to, yeah. And, and, and I'm sure I will when the time comes for me to investigate it. At the minute, I'm happy just listening to people's anecdotes yeah. and having a laugh at them creating football chants for different <laughs> you know, yeah. players and stuff. Yeah. It's quite funny at the minute. Um, I'm sure I'll look into it when the time's right. Yeah. And, but are, the young people are going to grow up with that as being you know, part of their working lives, for example. Yeah. And I don't know what that does. Uh, for for the future but yeah it's interesting mm. um i do feel i say to young people not in a patronizing way but i feel fear because when when i was younger you you naturally built levels of patience and, and skills that enabled you to be patient and per, you know to persevere and i use the example of all the streaming sites that they've got they watch a film for two minutes if you don't like it move on to the next one watch a video on the phone for two seconds don't like it move on to the next one if I wanted to watch a film when I was a kid and I didn't, couldn't afford to go to the cinema, I had to wait three months, go to Blockbuster, get home, rewind the video, <laughs> and then imagine getting 10 minutes in and not liking it. Yeah. So naturally you learn, pay, and you couldn't start kicking and screaming. It was just part of life. So I do feel for them because those moments that naturally occur in life that help you build patience yeah. and perseverance, they haven't got as many of them because yeah. everything is so fast. Well, it's like, I can't remember the last time I was bored. Yeah. There's no boredom anymore. No. It's constant stimulation. Yeah. You do, that's bad enough for us, let yeah, alone yeah. somebody yeah. who's you know, in the teenage Yeah, and the brain's developing. It's such a key, key stage of, of brain development. 
and do you know dopamine and, and and all the kind of you know your brain figuring out when to kind of distribute yeah. dopamine and, and and it's getting distributed you know arguably in the wrong sort of scenarios not healthy natural yeah. you know amounts that that maybe we experienced kicking well, a stone around on a park yeah exactly yeah the old school way well yeah. look on a more positive note then you've made a big impact in your local community so are there any actionable takeaways or tips that you think that businesses could do to foster that relationship within their local communities i guess it probably goes back to what, what was, i'm probably going to sound like a broken record but it really is my my mantra in recognizing people as assets mm -hmm. and two-way relationships and i think what 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 businesses are sometimes guilty of is con consulting for the sake of consulting so they can, they can say that they've consulted but probably going to go with a version of what they were going to do anyway yeah. and people become disillusioned with that and so anything like that is formed in relationships yeah. and if i think i think if a business is genuinely you know concerned and, and interested in pursuing community involvement I would say it starts with relationships. It starts with businesses stepping out of office buildings <coughs> and going into communities and building relationships with, with the people who live there and then offering genuine roles for people to consult or co-produce or you know be part of whatever it is that the business might be looking to, to develop or generate yeah. and using those skills and that knowledge of the local community and what life is like um, as opposed to, I guess seeing it as a tick box exercise, which yeah. I'm sure nobody does intentionally. People don't mean to, to do that. It just sometimes the fast pace of business means that, oh, crikey, we need to speak to people. Right, um, set up a focus group, we'll have a chat, we'll see if anything pops, and yeah. then we can like, move forward. And it's that kind of um, fast pace that, that without realising the detrimental impact of that, because people aren't stupid, they come in and go, well, that was a waste of time. Yeah. And, and it's keeping people at arm's length all the time. And I think, I think for me, it's about relationships, building something. Um, if you want to, you know, if you don't, then you don't have to, you yeah, know. Yeah. But if you are interested in community engagement, community development, it, it does start very much with stepping outside of your office building and going and meeting people where they are. Yeah. Developing levels of trust, relationships, and getting to know each other's strengths and what you can build then. Because without getting to know people, you don't know what's possible. Yeah other than what you want to develop. Yeah. You so, know. so obviously this is something you're really passionate about. Have you been able to leverage your newfound platform, as it were, to advocate for the changes that you want to see in the community? Um, I wouldn't go as far as, as, as like, you know, real big changes that, that I'd like to see. Yeah. But I've definitely helped to generate opportunities and experiences that that support a positive move towards whatever that might be. Mm. So I'll give you an example. I worked with. Have you heard of Street Life? Yeah, yeah. Charities. We actually worked with them. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Supports homeless young people, and they asked me to, to to get involved. They knew that I wrote stories and that I created different types of stories, and and they wanted to empower their young people to tell their stories. So we took twelve months to write a book. And it wasn't an extractive process where I said, tell me your story and I'm going to write it for you. It's very much a two-way thing. Integrity was upheld at all times. And we slowly but surely crafted these stories. And it went into a book and Street Life self-published the book. And there was a book launch and all this sort of stuff. 
But there was a few layers to it, really. Firstly, valid, young people feeling validated yeah. and, 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 and important enough to have yeah. their story heard. And then you had, well, what's the impact of other people hearing that story? And within those stories, we highlighted areas for improvement within services that they potentially used. And so there was different layers to, 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 to the impact that that book and those stories could have from an individual point of view, but also a systemic point of view. And that's just one example yeah. of how potentially those kids will never have had before. well exactly and and we, they wanted me to stay on and do a bit more work so we shifted to poetry well fag behind the ear and down the pants <laughs> i'm not doing poetry <laughs> mate turned into 12 weeks later a spoken word night in yeah. front of 80 people at the old electric and yeah. they were talking about isolation mental health addiction loneliness prison all these different things and to have 80 people stand up and clap that validation of wow yeah you actually think i'm all right whereas they've been used to being treated like second class citizens and how does that feel to give them that kind of it's amazing it's absolutely amazing um it, it's certainly part of my personality i'm quite a sensitive person I'm, yeah. I, and I, i've got to know myself as i've got older and i'm, I'm you know uh, empath empathetic and sensitive and very much uh, passionate about you know injustice and stuff so so those moments really kind of mean a lot to me um just the other night i did did a poetry night wine cheese and, and spoken word nice. and and yeah uh i did a poem about being on antidepressants and a man who i didn't know got up walked to the front up the stairs to the stage and and just hugged me didn't know who it was and he said that's me and everybody was like, wow, you know, wow. and so I am doing things in terms of trying to change the things that I want to yeah. change. It might feel quite small scale, but it's one foot after the other. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And then there's bigger things, you know, getting to talk at events and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I think um, at the minute it's quite uh, individual by individual, but... That's what about it. the bigger changes you mentioned earlier? What about the bigger changes that you'd like to see? Yeah, in I, think, oh, I mean, I think Blackpool's had a rough time of it the last, so. you know. Certainly for, just from a PR perspective. Yeah, PR, just, there's just so much going for Blackpool. And, yeah. and the, the first thing that people will say is Blackpool is a S-H-I-T hole. <laughs> and, it, and, and, and it's got that frequent that people just nod along now. Yeah. And I, I was riding down the promenade the other morning on my bike and I just thought people don't get this no. anywhere you know hardly anywhere looking out to sea it was still the sun was out thought, how could anybody call it that and we know it's got challenges crikey but everywhere's got challenges mm. we've also got assets and not many people shine a light on them all too often I think there's there's, there's, there's big big things for me from a society point of view I'd love to see the education system you know loosen up a little bit and support the development of creativity and individuality and, and stuff like that um you know I'd, I'd i'd like quite like um community intervention to be a big part of like mental health recovery rather than get to the doctors get your meds and off you go yeah. that's an important part for a lot of people it was a massive part for me it was it was a, it was lifesaver yeah yeah but I know that there's more to recovery than just getting some medication and just taking it every day. There's also kind of relationships, as I said before, sense of belonging, sense of purpose, rediscovering that part of you that maybe you lose 
you know, when, if you're suffering with depression or, or anxiety or whatever. So there's quite big things that, you know, if, if you kind of put me in number 10 Downing Street, then I might have a few things to <laughs> yeah. say. But, you know, I can only focus on my little yeah, yeah. corner of the world. And, um, yeah, I guess I, I think part of my recovery around mental health was finding this side of me, yeah. this expression, poetry, you know, if you just said to 15-year-old me that I'd be writing and performing poetry, I'd just ask you if you needed to lie down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. just wasn't part of my, my world. Similar kids that you were yeah, talking about before. Yeah, very much so. But by finding it and realising that I've got loads of things to say and now I've got a way of saying it, and those things can be personal, it can be societal, political, whatever, but poetry gives us gives us a, a way of communicating it that shows a little bit of my vulnerability. So it's a bit disar it's disarming. I'm not ranting on Facebook about, you know, this, this and this. Yeah. I'm sharing personal thoughts that are, that are loaded with emotion and people tend to kind of yeah. connect with that. Whether they agree or not is another thing. So having found that side of me, that's been a big part of my recovery and, and it's kicked on into obviously a change, slight change in career and, and having my own business and all that sort of stuff. So would you mind, I mean, whatever you're comfortable with, you, would you mind touching a little bit on that, what what your sort of journey through mental health? Yeah. I, I mean, long story short, started when I was young, probably 14, 15, looking back, struggling with anxiety, overthinking, panicking about nothing. Um, and I guess I just thought, oh, well, that's just me being a little bit weird, so I'll just keep battling through. Uh, and I, I used to have what, what I used to call waves and I'd have waves of two or three weeks that were like, I was really low. And obviously looking back, they were like depressive waves where I was struggling to produce serotonin and yeah. the things that I needed to kind of improve my mood. And I didn't know that then though. So I'd eat a bit better, exercise, talk to my dad or, you know, listen to music, walk the dog, whatever it was that I needed to do to get better. And it would lift. But the waves got longer and they got harder to shift. And I ended up with, um, well, a lot of things going on actually. Um, and, and I had a role at work that I wasn't 100% happy. I'd like progressed, but I'd, I'd gone off like the track that I was yeah. on to progress. And I ended up quite far removed from what I enjoyed doing and what I was good at. Um, because there's that thing, isn't there? If you're good at your job, you'll be promoted, but you might not necessarily be the right for the job that you're getting promoted yeah. to. And I ended up getting a couple of promotions and it, and it just wasn't right for me, but I felt a bit trapped. And that was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. And I burst out crying one day at work. A lady, bless her, she was amazing. We sat down, she was, she was like the finance lady for this project, mental health project, ironically enough. And she said, it was a Monday morning meeting, half nine, and she went, so how are you doing that? <laughs> And, and my bottom lip just went and I just burst out crying, went, yeah. just burst out crying and was waffling and she, it probably made no sense. She was perfect. And I'm a big believer in, I'm not a big spiritual person or anything like that, but I do think sometimes things happen for a reason. Yeah. And I think I needed to sit with that particular person on that particular day and it all just came out. And she sent, she said, you just, I think you need to go home, speak to your doctor, don't worry about a thing here leave your laptop, blah, 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 off you go. Have just you spoken just, to the doctor at this point? Just got, no, no, no. And, and I phoned the doctor. And as it turns out, what had been happening was, for the, for the year previous to that, I'd probably been stuck in 
a dark, depressive wave thoughts are taking my own life, like fantasizing about that and then, and then going, why are you thinking that? You know, you've got a perfect life, you know, what, what are you doing? And that sort of compounded it really, because yeah. you feel stupid and shamed for, and all this kind of really complicated stuff. I mean, the, the, the difficult thing was we got married that year. It's nothing to do with, with that, obviously. <laughs> Definitely not if you're watching. <laughs> but um, I think I was operating on adrenaline. And then after the wedding, it all just settled. And then it all kind of, the void was there. And all those thoughts and feelings really kind of amplified themselves. And so I had four months off work and work were amazing. Blackpool Council were absolutely amazing. They put me through to, for... Uh, counseling they supported me while i was off work they didn't rush me to get back in fact my manager said to me i don't want to see you until after christmas and this was in late october she said i don't want to see you until after christmas because you're not well yeah so you're putting yourself at risk but you're going to put other people you know you just just go and get better yeah. and that was a real relief because initially i felt like i was letting people down you know not being there and once that lifted and i got into this kind of um process of recovery and looking after myself and realizing that I wasn't skiving I was actually kind of yeah. you know the old kind of analogy around breaking your leg you get a pot on and you sit at home for a bit well it wasn't that I was sitting at home I was reading I was walking I was kind of rediscovering the things that, that I needed to, to to get better and then but through the downtown I realized that it was that that job wasn't particularly for me and again they were brilliant they, they managed they helped me move into a different role, which was much better for my mental health. But all the while, this stuff was building on the side, the, the, the books, the poetry, and all this kind of stuff was building. And it got to the point in, what will it have been, 2022? So January 2022, I had a decision to make, and I put my notice in because I couldn't do both anymore. And I, I thought, if I don't jump now, I'm never going to jump. Yeah. So March... 2022 i left my job i'd been there 12 and a half years had amazing time amazing opportunities qualifications all the rest of it but it was it was my time to pursue something a little bit different and it has been incredible you know stressful a real shift in terms of finances managing that i'd had a salary dropping in for 12 yeah. years and then all of a sudden the change in uh, being sort of freelance and whatnot was very two different as well. Two little kids, we just moved house, so it was it was chaotic. But the variety of work that really, you know, pulled at my sort of passions was there. Yeah, and it's only got bigger and it's only got kind of more intense. Really, that that um, ability to pursue whatever comes along. I don't need to check if fits with funding or check it fits with criteria or any of the kind of words that we use. I can go, that feels like it's the right thing to do. There'll, there'll be Let's people watching this who've, who've obviously gone through similar stuff themselves. How important do you think it was for your recovery that you had a business or a business or a corporation, whatever it yeah. was, a council in your case, who supported you? Oh, honestly, without that, I don't know what would have happened right. because... It's just another pressure. Yeah, if I'd have been thought I had to be in work, I wouldn't have recovered. I'd have, it'd have just been one of those other, other moments that, granted, more intense, but where there was a wave, I've recovered slightly, and then the wave comes back, the wave comes back. And I'm not saying I don't have difficult times now, because I absolutely do, but I'm much more aware of myself and those times, and they are one part of me, whereas throughout my 20s, whenever I had a depressive wave, it, was, it consumed me. Yeah. Now when I feel it, 
I'm like, oh, that's just that little part of me. And I need to do X, Y, and Z. Counseling enabled me to understand how I thought, my thought processes that stemmed from childhood. Nothing traumatic or anything, but just behaviours and thought processes that I picked up as a child and they manifest, yeah, Yeah. manifested. And into unhelpful ways of, of, of being and without the support of, in my case, Blackpool Council, but an organisation that were supportive with me having time off, that supported me to access the help that I needed to, and supported a, a, a literally t- taking me from one job and putting me in another job. Like that, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be where I am now. I'd, yeah. I've, I'm convinced of it. Do you think if that episode or that particular kind of you know it all comes yeah, yeah. to a crux, if that hadn't happened, do you think you'd be doing what you're doing now as well? No, because no, I, w- I wouldn't. I didn't have the time right. to. Th- even think about it as an option let alone what i would even do yeah to, to make it happen and to know that it was important to me the time away enabled me to reflect on what was i doing with my life right. and what i was doing was a job that i within a field that i loved the role that i had wasn't a job that i loved yeah but it was in a field that i loved and i had loved the job for a long time but it it wasn't for me it wasn't a thing that for me. It was. For, it felt like it was for for lots and lots of other people. Yeah. This is for me. This is mine. And I think I've earned my stripes. I got my experience. Lots and lots of experience. And then now it's an appropriate step into into the world that I'm in now. And and again, learning every day. By no means an expert. You know, I'm 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 learning new things every day about business. Learning new things every day about poetry workshops. Yeah. People. Yeah. You know, relationships, everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that I would be doing it if I hadn't had that particular... I always say, if I'm delivering a talk anywhere, I always say, I build it up to be quite doom and gloom and then say it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. Just to take the sting out of it a little yeah. bit. Because it was scary, but on reflection, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I was able to take the mask off. And it didn't matter that I wasn't perfect and it didn't matter that I was dropping the ball temporarily. And I've kept that. I've tried to keep that feeling of you don't have to get everything right all the time. No, well, thank you very much for sharing that with no, us. No, no, um, my pleasure. I try to be as vocal as I can about it. Well, you, and it's as you say, so much good has come from it. One of the things as well that you've not mentioned yet was was Elliot's place as well. Yes. So you're an ambassador for that. Yeah, yeah. Is I'm guessing obviously that's the link for yourself. And yeah, it is um, very much so. I think obviously Elliot's place is is. Um, well, not obviously, because not everybody knows who it, uh, what it is. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Bit, yeah so yeah, um, Elliot's Place was was created after, um, unfortunately, a young man who called Elliot from Blackpool lost his lost his battle with mental health and took his own life. And the family wanted to do something in, with his legacy, you know, and and make sure that more families didn't go through. You know, obviously, we're not going to be able to stop it happening. It's part of life, I guess. But so many young men that lose their life in Blackpool to it, yes. and they wanted to try and do something because it was avoidable. You know, there was there was moments where it was avoidable, and whether that's a culture thing, a services thing, you know, masculinity thing, whatever it is, there was there were moments where potentially it could have been different. And the family joined teams with team with the uh, empowerment, and Elliot's place was born. And Elliot's place is. Um, <clears throat> It's not a place, ironically, the name is Elliot's Place, but and there is a building and it's a lovely building. But Elliot's Place is a community. Elliot's Place is young men supporting other young men with a healthy culture around mental health. 
recognizing that we all go through struggles and we all go through challenges but by being in a community where you know we can support one another whether that's through talking walking barbecues whatever it is just having a space where that is not a taboo subject and the the, the vision was and, and is for Elliot's place to be something that can happen anywhere because it's not a place it's That's a, a thing. fantastic legacy for yeah him. and and you know the family are amazing and, and it was a real privilege to be approached by empowerment and get to know the family and um yeah just just really try and support it to develop moving forward but getting people asking you to get involved in projects like that must be so give you so much validation for the journey you've it, it, gone on it very it, it very much does so and i think it, it further reassures me that um talking about it's an important thing to do and and you know i know not everybody feels comfortable doing it so i'm not saying everybody should be talking about it but i do yeah so i'm gonna you know i, I do feel semi-comfortable talking about it the more i talk about it the more comfortable i get and i've got a platform a lot of the time i've got a microphone and there's hundreds of people there yeah so to be able to whether that share a poem about mental health or a tiny little anecdote just to just to raise its profile um if, if i can do that then i will and, oh, yeah funny enough i want to do a poetry night and a barbecue with elliot's place uh this summer i'm meeting up with the guys tomorrow to chat about it so yeah oh, that's fantastic um in terms of your let's let's take it back and try and try and yeah yeah, yeah. It a little bit <laughs> so in all the years you've worked uh, within the community and with younger people what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned about young people big question yeah uh oof, I've, a lot but um that they are ridiculously capable beyond even their own comprehension most of the time and they're probably going to be the last ones to see it so we need to see it yeah. and we need to recognize it early and harness it i've got a piece called life skills university and it's about young people finding perhaps negative places where their skill set develops because it's the only place yeah well, I mean, the classic example is like gangs. They'll find a sense of belonging. They'll have a role. They'll have a purpose. So they're going to be drawn to it. Yeah. And if there's nothing else in life that's positive, that's that's pulling those kind of skills and abilities out yeah. of a young person, then that's going to be the obvious choice. Yeah. So I think that they are ridiculously capable, um, knowledgeable, smart. And that is something I would really like us all to to recognize so that they can recognize it early yeah. you know rather than you know either not recognizing it all or recognizing it too late or whatever. missing the boat missing the boat yeah and then they don't want a path that they don't want to be on and, yeah. and whatnot um but yeah that's probably the biggest thing i would say along that note then would you have any sort of tips or advice for businesses on how to better engage and motivate younger people that are coming into there and you know i get it it, that, that it's that it's hard because it, it you get this conversation quite a lot don't you oh, a different generation now and they're lazy and this and that and, and and i don't think it is that i think um i think it's it's a bigger thing than just an individual business yeah. trying to motivate young people we've got a whole education system that comes before that yeah. I, I, and maybe there's things around that you know colleges and apprentices and stuff like apprenticeships getting people work ready not not focusing necessarily on academia to, yeah, exams. to, to, to get exams yeah. and results that make the school and college look good because they need to to get funding that's not a criticism of schools or colleges it's just the system that, that yeah. we're in the well, where's the young person in all that yeah. 
you know, where, where's their wants and needs and aspirations in that. So I would say that, that, that you know, supporting young people to get work ready. Um, but what the project that I was involved in at Blackpool Council, actually, um, we hired young people and the only essential criteria was that they had experience of being not in education, employment or training. Wow, okay. And their role was to help Blackpool Council support other people that were in that situation. So they recognised that that was their expertise because they'd been there, they'd done it. And then they were part of like a, a steering group, essentially, to help decision makers have conversations about how best to support other young people in that situation. So I think reducing barriers that might not be obvious to a, a, a business to be like, well, well that, everybody has to do do that or whatever. Yeah. But you might have a young person that, that is, would be fantastic for the job, doesn't know how to fill an application form in. Yeah. And, and, and might not have access to a phone, might not have the internet, you know. And I know that seems extreme, but it's far more common than, yeah. than we think. So maybe meeting young people where they're at a little bit more and, and harnessing the skills and abilities that are needed for the job as opposed to traditional measures of success like have you got this GCSE and this GCSE and have you got X, Y and Z because that's what we always ask. Yeah. Or is it about being a bit more innovative and maybe having trials instead of interviews or, you know, different things like yeah, that? That's a really good idea. I think as well, like, there's only, let's be honest, there's a few professions where obviously, you know, for instance, the medical profession, things like that, yeah. where qualifications are so important. Yeah. But most most businesses, most industries, you know, you, you can, probably... You there can is get a bit away with it, can't you? Yeah. Personality is a big thing, exactly. you know, people skills, being able to hold a conversation, yeah. you know, and, 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 a, and a lot of, in, especially moving towards the digital age now, Young people are masters yeah. at digital tech. They might yeah. not have a qualification in it, but I think there'll be a lot of young people that will be a, a massive asset yeah. to a business. I think recognising beyond the nine to five is a hard thing yeah. for young people. You know, young people have, got, uh, have always had a lot going on. I'm not saying that, but I think some young people might need a little bit of extra support, arm around the shoulder, mm. and, and just, just for that transition between not working and then being like comfortable yeah. in, in employment. One of the things the young people were saying to us is that that period where you're a little bit uncertain, even, I'm not saying you can't tell people what to do. <laughs> this is absolutely not what I'm saying, but getting an absolute rollicking yeah. on a given day where maybe, I don't know, the mum's ill in hospital and then just not being able to cope with that, not having the resilience to be able to cope with it yeah. and separate the two issues. And then maybe thinking, I'm not gonna go back. And, and and that's you know I'm not saying that you got to be able to tell young people what to do in a job. There's a way, but of there's a way of it. But also, they might not have the resilience to cope with yeah. with with certain approaches. Yeah. And there might be businesses that might say, "Well, I don't want a young, a young person. They need to be, you know, they need thick skin and they need to be able to get on with it in my yeah. work, and that's absolutely fine." But there might be businesses that might not have thought of that and yeah. might think, "Actually, yeah, we want those kinds of young people." But bridging that gap between nothing into yeah. fully fledged, you know, 37 hours a week plus nine to five, so many expectations and standards. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some kind of bridging process, yeah. I think, no, which helps young people still feel part of the team, still working and, and highlighting strengths, but also maybe equipping them with the resilience to cope in the workplace, maybe mentors, you know, having a, having a role model that they can speak to if they're having a rough time of it. 
just just little things like that yeah. I think would make a massive difference in terms of the retention of young people in business. Particularly if a lot of these people haven't had the, the opportunity to work yeah. in, a, in an office space before. Yeah, well. or, or, or anywhere. I mean, I, 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 my first job at 12, <coughs> you know, I did a paper round and then I went and got a job on a market stall. I mean, I used to have to have a step to climb up to serve the customers <laughs> but it was back in the day before you had to get permits yeah yeah and now there's permits that are needed and all that sort of stuff and yeah i don't know i think i think there's quite a lot of barriers yeah there's quite a lot of barriers for yeah. young people getting that experience yeah. and jobs say we need x y and z qualifications and we need x y and z experience before we'll even give you an interview well they haven't got the opportunity to build the experience you know we can't we need to kind of maybe negotiate a little bit on that or provide opportunities to build that experience especially some of the kids that you must have worked with from sort of challenge very much so that's even more amplified very much so yeah i mean you might have a kid who's absolutely mustered at repairing a stolen car (laughs) and you know i'm not saying they stole the car but they might be brilliant at repairing that stuff and it's whichever way you want to look at it you know do we just say no you're gone now see you later you've made your choice at 14 or do we say, wow, without any training, that kid can fix an engine. Is there any way that we could pull that kid away from that life yeah. and put them onto a track that maybe would really harness that passion and skill? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's obviously a, quite a flamboyant example, but there's loads of little examples. No, but it's that like lateral that thinking. Yeah. It's, it's looking at things. It's, it's how you look at certain yeah. situations, isn't Very it? Very much so. What about yourself then? So this this journey that you're on, what's the end goal? Where do you, where do you see this? Going. I, do you know what I don't know I just want to keep doing what I'm doing at the minute because it's enjoyable but it's healthy for me yeah I feel a lot more a much more <laughs> healthy person mentally and physically um by having that kind of good balance of my values as a youth worker and being able to kind of use them in the work that I'm doing but also this performer expression element that i have as well it just seems to be a nice fit uh so keep doing what i'm doing i mean you know shorter term i've got i'm writing a novel for eight to 12 year olds now because i do a lot of work in primary schools and the books i've got are for 13 plus and my poetry is probably aimed at teenagers plus yeah so i haven't really got anything for them and i go in and i do these talks and then i go well you can't read what i've got and they're like no i want to read your books so I'm pushing myself to write for a younger age. I'm also writing a poetry book for teenagers. Um, so I've got little more, you know, little creative projects that I've got going on. I've got an EP out on Friday. Well, yeah, we mentioned the album in the in the intro. So yeah. how's that going? Yeah. That's so really again, I think I took to poetry because I have loved music since I can remember. Yeah. It's a big part of my family, kind of life, culture. We love music, whether that's Northern soul, indie music, dance music, whatever it is. And I think I was desperate to be a musician and never knew what, I didn't know how to play an instrument. Yeah. And then I figured out that my instrument is my pen yeah. and my voice and lyrics that have come out of me yeah, as, as, as poetry. So I wanted to have a bash and I featured on a couple of songs. A few people approached me and said, would you do a verse for us? And, and that was a good experience. So I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go. So I approached a local lad who's a producer, he's a guitarist called Joe Platt. He's part of a local band called All Right, but he also produces music as well. And a local singer called Daisy Atkinson. And we just sort of threw it together. And I can't believe what's come out the other side, really. You're really? like, wow, have we made this? 
So it was a really, really nice experience, and I've self-published it again. You know, I'm not, I've not waited to be signed by it. You know, because that just seems like the impossible dream at the minute. So once this goes out onto Spotify and Amazon and Apple and stuff, I'll have self-published fiction, I'll have self-published poetry, and I'll self-publish music. And there was once, once a time when I would have felt slightly apologetic for that, and now I know a lot more about this kind of yeah. world doing things on your own terms and putting things out into the world on your own terms is, 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 is a really powerful process. Well, yeah, and also there's an appetite for it, clearly. Yeah, so. and, it's, and it's perfectly valid. Yeah. You know, I think there was, a, there was a belief once upon a time within myself that it was inferior to, you know, traditionally published things or, or yeah. you know, whatever, but it's just different. Yeah. It's just different, that's all. So I think I'm going to continue to be creative, continue to try and support, other people to be creative or, or to be able to tell their story or to feel confident to pursue their passions, uh, whether that be in schools or the community, and, and, and to sort of continue that, that model, really. I mean, you know, if John Cooper Clark's watching and he wants me to get me on <laughs> to support him at <laughs> one of his gigs, <laughs> that would be great. Um, but, you know, yeah, keep kind of reaching for those new experiences and, and, and see what lands. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we'll share a link as well to the EP and stuff in, when, when this Thank goes you. out. Um, the final question is one that we ask everybody and it's about success. So it's about how you define success both on a personal level and in your, sort of, in your business and, and professional life, as it were. I'm guessing that's going to be connected for you. But. Yeah, um, that's such a hard question because I guess, of course, I would love... I would love the material things. I'd love the, you know, the house to be done exactly how we want it. Yeah. I'd love a nice car. I want to chop that Citroen C4 in out there. <laughs> and, and my kids wouldn't be allowed in yeah. my car. Yeah. Have or I'd have a kid's car yeah. in and out. Yeah, you know, of course I'd love all that. But the big thing for me is, is, is coming home at night, the kids being there, I was having a nice bite to eat, getting a holiday every now and again. And the work that I'm doing be meaningful for me and for other people. Um, Sounds like you're already there. Yeah, it, it, it does. I do feel like I, I, I am there. There's more to do, you know. There's more, there's more, more, more to achieve, and there's, there's there's bigger things to strive towards. But um, I don't feel like I need to get to them in order to be successful. Yeah, I feel like I'm already successful, and I, and and I could potentially be, you know, get more successful. Yeah. And like I say, if that means a, a bit more of an updated car or getting the garden done a bit quicker than maybe it would need to at the minute, then that's great. Um, but I also recognise that part of my values are being, you know, um, proud to be from a working class background. I, I support communities to be, to try and be empowered and to have a voice and to, and to sort of fight for social justice and, 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 and equality and stuff. And, and I think I would be a bit of a um, contradiction if I suddenly turned up in a Range Rover. Yeah, whipping out an Lamborghini. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to deliver a, a talk on that sort of stuff yeah. at a charity that supports homeless young people, for example. So there's lots of things to consider um, around that. Maybe I'll keep the Citroen C4 just for the moment. <laughs> like that. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you know the the the, t the teenager inside of me wants to say this car, this yeah. you know kind of having. It sounds like an element of working class guilt that though. Yeah, yeah. A few people have mentioned that about having this, you know, feeling of you know I don't yeah. know this complex of like oh no yeah. I can't do that. Um, so a, a bit of both I would say yeah. you know 
having the nice things in life, but also being part of work that's meaningful, impactful, and my kids being happy and being able to do whatever they want to do. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we're going to end with something a little bit different, as, yes. as we've been briefed on. Um, but please, could you tell our viewers and listeners how they can engage with you, how they can find what Certainly. you Certainly. Yeah, I think the best the best place to go is probably social media, even though I've just been saying <laughs> I should spend less time on it. But Instagram, Parker Words. Facebook is Parker Book. Twitter's Parker Words. I'm on LinkedIn, Nathan Parker. Uh, or there's my website, parkerwords.co.uk. And they're probably the best channels to kind of get to know me a little bit better, to engage with what it is that I do, and to obviously reach out if you want to uh, chat about anything. Yeah. No, fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming in. And my really pleasure. Thanks for having me. It. Thank oh, you. Excellent. Yeah. Blackpool Power. They might see photos in the press of scantily clad girls and boys. I see parents and carers working hard to provide their children with food, clothes and toys whilst battling uphill against the snobs and their judgmental noise. They might see a promenade dancing, bulbs illuminating the night. I see behind that very same seafront where things aren't always as bright. They might see a town that tops the charts for all the wrong statistics and the impact of those detrimental missiles requires further ballistics because I see the people behind that data, strength and resolve form their characteristics. They might see boarded up shops, a town with few remaining leisures. I see families surviving on the breadline, torn apart by austerity measures, yet still maintaining our unique spirit, one of many familiar treasures. They might see that school exclusions are high. Kids drive their teachers to despair. I see children with a sparkle in their eye, trapped in a system that isn't fair. And all they really need is for somebody to just stop, listen and care. They might see lads with the gift of the gab in a town where tourism always survives. I see boys trapped inside men silently taking their own lives. They might see staggered hens causing mayhem spilling down every street. I see a community that comes together during hardship and on solid ground we meet with tangerine flags, with smiles and support and old traditions that are hard to beat. They might see it's just a place to get drunk with little else to project. I see blue flag beaches, the UK's best park, so I really must object. They might see Benefits Britain, Jeremy Kyle and offer this sweeping conclusion. I see programmes designed to divide and cause hatred and confusion. They might see our iconic tower and think it's an extravagant spike, but I see a symbol of warm embrace to locals and visitors alike. And she says, feel joyous under my watchful gaze, whether in a car, on foot or on a bike. They might see arcades, rock and rides and think that's all we've got. I see the theatre. I see artists athletes, musicians, businesses, educators, the lot. And I want us to focus on the things that we are instead of the things that they think we're not. They might see a town worth forgetting, abandoned at the end of the M55, but I see Blackpool. I see rich history. I see diversity. I see innovation. I see you. Now let's support each other to thrive. <laughs>